Alright everyone, how you doing? I'm Sergio from the Dodgeball Podcast, and here with me I have... Hey there, Sergio, it's Adam Hill here from the Ballyhackamore Barbarians team, and also the Northern Ireland Knights, and more recently I've joined up with the Great British Dodgeball team as well. How are you doing, Sergio? <laughs> I'm doing alright, um, and yeah, congratulations on making the team, I uh, had no doubt about <laughs> had no doubt on that end um let's let's get some preliminaries out of the way so what's uh, your primary jersey number and what's the reason behind it uh primary jersey number is number seven um it was kind of just i remember when i joined the northern ireland knights the first time um and i was getting my squad number i think the manager at the time just messaged me um when we were sorting out the kit and I, I was like just chancing my arm and I remember asking is there any single digit numbers left because the squad was had already like 25 people in it um, <laughs> and I think there was a couple but number seven was still available and I took it so that's kind of the story of it and then from that point on I moved my or I yeah I moved from whatever I had for, at Queen's University I immediately moved to number seven from that to try and get club and country the same and most recently for GB, I've actually managed to get the number seven jersey ahead of this world championships as well. Which is, so I've got all three number seven. So happy days. All right, <laughs> um, are you a Cantona fan, Ronaldo fan? That seems a little too coincidental to just lean on yeah, seven. Well, yeah, time. I mean I'm a Manchester United fan, so David Beckham, Cristiano Ronaldo. While I was growing up, yeah, so it's a it's a pretty good, pretty good. Um, number to have, I think. Yeah, I mean, plenty of greats have worn it, and you're no disappointment on that end. So continue it. <laughs> um, so when did you start playing? I know you mentioned uh, Queen's University. Uh, was that when you first started playing dodgeball? Yeah, so it would have been my second year at Queen's. Um, so that would have been maybe January 2015. Is when I think I started. Um, so some of the guys have been going from my university course. Um, the likes of Aaron Murphy, Smurf, he was on my university course and had been going for a year before. Um, so he basically eventually convinced me to go. And as with most dodgeball stories, you go the first time, then you just slowly and slowly get roped into it until it's everything, basically. <laughs> so what was your uh, first um, open session like? And what was it about it that you know, sunk his teeth into you, so to speak? Um, I don't really know. It's, it's a long time ago, obviously. Um, at Queen's University, we would have trained on these, like, dojo mats for, like, martial arts, that sort of thing. Um, right, so it would have been, like, barefoot or in your socks. Um, so you would have been, like, kind of just <laughs> jumping around and making an idiot of yourself. Um, with your mates so it was kind of like just a social thing to begin with that you were just going and mucking about and getting to throw a ball really hard at your mates um, so yeah I guess that I guess that's probably the original appeal was Queens the, was it the university we played the foam open in yeah yeah so they they're that's the only university team in Ireland I think that has a dodgeball team um and they're essentially the feeder club for every other club in Northern Ireland to keep them alive as they slowly age. Um, oh. They all just, uh, all, the youth all comes from the university. And uh, yeah, we wouldn't be where we are without it, basically. 
When you mentioned dojo mats, I was thinking there was this part at the, at the foam open where we were at, and like, no, I wouldn't yeah, say half, but like ten percent of that gym was like judo or you know taekwondo or whatever was going on. So I figured that had to be it or something. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, sweet, sweet facility, by the way. Um, so you play at Queens after you graduate. Was Bali Hack your first club, or what was your first club after that? Um, yeah, so I graduated um, kind of a year earlier than most of my friends at Queen's University. So I kind of stuck around um, for a year there and just took out a gym membership with the PE Center because that, because you were able to. Mm. Um, so I didn't actually have to be a university student to play an extra year for Queen's because they were the only university team. So they played against all the club teams anyway. Yeah. Um, so after that year, I think there was 10 or 11 of us all gra- all graduating, me obviously graduating the year before. Um, but we then moved out and we set up Ballyhackamore. Um, so Ballyhackamore Barbarians is created by the 10 or 11 of us that moved from Queens that year. Um, that was 2018 that that was set up. Yeah, so it's it's essentially our club from the ground up. Are a lot of the original members uh, that you formed up with uh, still playing now? Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, like, we're all very good friends, and that's kind of why it works. Um, and, and then it just basically created a new dodgeball club in Northern Ireland, which it basically needed, like, it did need another one because we were playing leagues with three Northern Irish teams and one team in Dublin. So at least adding the Barbarians to that made at five teams instead of four which is a bit more exciting <laughs> um i didn't realize the scene was that small out there um i can imagine it, it can kind of get stale so hence why you made it uh, another team to go into and plus you had, you know had some mates to go with it so why not um what was your first uh competitive like tournament experience like with uh bully hack uh was it like uh dublin um uh, dublin open like do you remember what your first tournament was or something um, yes, it was in Belfast. It was in the Queen's PE Centre where that foam open took place. Um, and it was just a cloth open to like begin the season. Um, and we all went to this sports store and just bought like four or five pound yellow, really ugly jerseys to wear. Because <laughs> um, obviously we didn't have kit. And we were like, most of the teams wear black or blue. And we were, and we, we didn't have at that point we didn't have a design of what color or even what or even what our team was going to be called i'm pretty sure at that stage um i can't remember what we entered as but yeah we figured bright and ugly and yellow would do the trick um and we had <laughs> we somehow managed to get two teams entered we must have called a few ringers in um just to kind of fill out the spots uh, i think we came second our first or our slightly stronger team i think we mix the teams um yeah pretty sure kapai won that <laughs> slightly ugly yellow and you were yeah. transitioning to that uh at what point did you decide you know yellow wasn't the move and purple was the way to go um it's just kind of in the design phase of trying to get a kit and a logo all set up for the team i guess um and, people, and it was just kind of we didn't want to have a color that anybody else had 
And even in British dodgeball at that stage, there wasn't a whole lot of purple. Um, there's a little bit more now. Um, so we wanted wanted a bit of purple. It's a nice color, purple. So that's what we went with. Um, yeah, everyone seemed fairly happy with it. I mean, as a Laker fan, uh, I definitely think yeah. purple looks good on me. So I'll, I'll <laughs> roll with that. I got one of the kits right here, actually, in my closet. Um, so let's talk about you a little bit more. So prior to the pandemic, did you ever get to, a chance to play with uh, Northern Ireland on the national stage? Um, yeah, yeah. So I've been playing with Northern Ireland since 2016. Yeah, so I played – my first competition was in Manchester, the World Cup, um, which was the first five-ball competition ever played in cloth. Mm. Uh, so it was a bit chaotic, I remember, from memory. Um, <laughs> I was just kind of getting thrown in at the deep end. Um, just kind of chuck balls. Tactically, I obviously didn't really have as much of a clue back then. Um, but it was all very fast-paced. Every ball, every, Everybody just wanted to counter because it was loads of balls. Um, and it really sped up the game at that point. Um, yeah, it was. I remember it being a lot of fun. I think we beat Scotland in our first game, which... I was told didn't happen very often at that point. So pretty good. <laughs> I mean, but to be fair, I mean, everyone was trying to figure it out. You had two extra balls and they were all smaller. Uh, so yeah, definitely more uh, chaotic compared to what we see now, but definitely fun, fast paced. Yeah. Uh, and I remember like there was no nets around the court either. There was just um, a load of seats for spectators but you would just throw the ball and the ball would just hit the corner of a seat and fly 20, 30 meters away from the court. And yeah. There was two courts and all the balls were the same color. And I just remember there's so many times the game got stopped because it was six balls. It was just, yeah, chaos, but good fun. Oh, definitely good fun. Especially for the people in the front row who definitely got blasted more than expected. <laughs> I can imagine that was, uh, we'll say fun for now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> After the the World Cup in Manchester, um, how many other uh, did you do the Euros with them the following year? Yeah, yep. So I've been to every Euros since that point. So that was in Paris. It was a three ball Euros, and I um, I wasn't very good at three ball. It didn't suit me at all. Um, I think I was mainly used as a substitute, and the team did pretty well. They came fourth from memory. Um, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't much. I wasn't much contribution to that. I just remember, yeah, wanting to go on and do well, but I don't think I played particularly well at that one. I blame three ball. It wasn't for me. <laughs> was it just the fact that it was three balls on the court or the size of the balls uh, that made it yeah, difficult? A bit of, yeah, a bit of everything. Um, and I wasn't like I wasn't great at dodging and catching. I was at that point, I just wanted to throw the balls. Um, and they obviously didn't travel as quick because they were bigger balls so yeah just not not really my game so obviously i mean you safe to assume you prefer five ball quicker pace a lot of action um so your first five ball euros uh how was that experience like for you yeah five ball euros 2017 that would have been in yeah. scotland i'm pretty sure yeah um yeah, very good. That was much better. I was kind of getting into the team a bit more, getting a bit more time on court. Um, I don't think I was in this kind of starting team. I think I was kind of on the fringes of it, but 
I definitely remember playing reasonably well. Um, that was, I'm pretty sure, a very important one. Yes, it was, because there was qualification for the 2018 World Cup attached to that. Um, oh, yeah, so you had to come top three or top four or something like that, but we ended up getting Scotland in the group, um, which I remember was a massive game, like a massive game. If you lost that, I'm pretty sure you got England in the quarterfinal, which obviously at that point was, they were pretty much unbeatable. Um, we, and, and we beat Scotland just about, and it was massive celebrations um, because we knew we'd get a good run then towards the final, which we then did make. We made the final. Um, England then won it reasonably comfortably, but it was a good stepping stone anyway to prove that we were we were getting there because second place was the closest we had been um, at that point. So, yeah, from 2017, I think that's when we really started knocking on the door for that men's category anyway. How did that feel coming from... I mean, let's say out of the top four to knocking on the door, so to speak. Like, obviously England won it very comfortably out there at that time. But you knew you had something special with your national program, with the people that you've had, with the coaches that you've had. And obviously with your development, obviously you're more comfortable with five ball. How does it feel looking back on that moment and seeing where you are now? Oh, yeah, it's huge. It's huge when I look back and see where the team came from. Uh to now be champions um yeah it's massive and we have like more experienced players that were like stating in group chats that they that when they like the likes of shun wong and brew cousins i'll shout them out um apologies if i'm showing their age a bit um <laughs> but, but uh I, they were commenting in the group chats being like they couldn't believe how far they came when they first joined and they didn't even think it would be they weren't even sure it was possible when they first joined, but it was what they wanted. So, like, you really see how, how huge it is. And I feel like the longer you've been in Northern Ireland, um, the bigger that feeling is. Because um, for me, 2017 was really really just the start of it to see, like, okay, we are actually really good. Um, and if we keep pushing, we can do this. We will get it eventually. And that was kind of the uh, takeaway from me. Yeah. Um there's something beautiful about about that kind of progress. Um, obviously, I, I, I've never experienced it at that level, but there's something beautiful about knocking on the door and then eventually just busting right in. You know what I mean? And we'll definitely get to that in a bit. Um, you you guys didn't go to New York, did you? No, we did. So that's what that competition was for. Um, that yeah, competition that's got us the qualification for New York. Um, and would you think of a big apple? Yeah, it, oh, it was really good. Yeah, I really enjoyed being in New York. It was good. Um, and then, well, we made the most of the competition. I'll not say much more on the chaos of the of uh, <laughs> how it all came together, but it was a good, it was a good competition to play in anyway. Um, um, yeah, because that was the first one where I felt like with the men's team anyway, because the men's team had qualified. That was the team that was going. Um, it was all about gold. That was the first time we're at where everything was about, we can do this now. We can now push for gold. And that was it for Worlds. We are going there to get gold. We're not going, we're not taking um, 
we're not just happy to qualify. Um, we want to be pushing and we feel like we can do it now. Um, so yeah, that was like, that was really, that was a mentality change just to, just to finally click within the squad that we're going to go out and do this. And we played very well generally. Um, I think we came second in our group losing to England, but that qualified us for the quarterfinals where we beat Egypt then unfortunately lost to Austria in the semi in the semis um, and Malaysia then shocked England in the other semi so it put us against England in the third place playoff and that game that third place playoff is the first time that we ever beat England and it was absolutely enormous uh, huge celebrations they're on YouTube somewhere like we go absolutely bananas when we finally pull that off um and it's just like that's like a big weight lifted off that like this team's actually beatable um and that just proved that we were getting closer and closer to actually pulling it off at the european championships or the world championships and getting the gold that we that we wanted um unfortunately unfortunately that we didn't do it in the semi-final against austria but it was still huge to then bounce back from that setback and do it against a team that we hadn't really come close to beating before. <laughs> I want you to describe that. And I saw that. I didn't realize it was a third place game. Uh, but I did see that. I saw a clip. Uh, or not a clip. It might have been like a 30 second video a couple days ago, actually, leading up to this interview. Um, <laughs> you guys just pretty much were storming the little court thing. <laughs> yeah. Touch yeah. on. But um, you guys what were pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that a dog in the background? No, I don't think so. Uh, I would have been. I would have said bonus points if I heard a dog. Um, <laughs> but no, I want you to describe that moment from your perspective. Forget the team. Forget about how did that feel for you individually? Uh, uh, just big in the moment. Like I go, I go fairly big on my celebrations, like screaming and and shouting and yeah, just fist bumping everywhere and massive high fives to everybody where you're breaking blood vessels in your hands and all that <laughs> sort of stuff. Um, oh man. Yeah. Those wins. That's why you play for those absolutely enormous wins. And that was, that was probably the first one. That was probably the first one of that magnitude. I mean, maybe not in the finals, but you essentially eliminated England in that division from the finals or from the medals uh, overall. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. they, I think they ended up winning mixed gold. They did, yeah. They won mixed, mixed gold and, and women's. Yeah, they got they got two. Yeah. So they pulled off a double. So in in yeah. So you know, pulling off a double theme of the episode. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, it has to it has to feel really good. I mean, not I mean, obviously you want to win gold, but beating England in where a high stakes uh, or as high stakes as you, you both could could land on. You know, essentially having bragging rights over your neighbors. There's something uh, beautiful about that. For sure. Uh, so after um, New York, what was the next Euros after New York? Oh, I don't want to talk about it. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's talk about it. You led the segue. What happened? There's the big slump. I don't know. We're riding. I thought maybe we were riding off the high of 2018. Of 2018 World Cup. And then we went into it the Italian Euros at, um, in October. So what's that, three months later? 
two months later. Um, it was a huge turnaround. Um, but yeah, we um, we barely got fit. That's the best way to put it. Um, we were well beaten by both Scotland and Austria. Yeah. So that I, I kind of put that tournament down to the reality check for the men's team that we can't rest on our laurels here. We can't just think that we can beat everybody else just because we've beaten England. Um, and it really kind of put us, put us in our place a little bit with those two defeats because we weren't close. They like they we were well beaten, and then I think it was Sweden in the fifth sixth playoff, and they ran us to the wire. Um, yeah, so there was a lot of evaluating to be done after that tournament, and really get everybody back into the focus of that. Like that wasn't good enough, and if we actually want to get gold, we've got to step it up again. Um. And maybe we needed that, but it, it like it obviously wasn't great. Would you would you say it's more so you guys rested on your laurels mentally, or was it more so the quick two or three month turnaround? And the reason I ask this is because I'm not sure how like well I'm I guess I would say I'm more sure now. I would imagine you guys had a couple club competitions in between, so there had yeah, to be a level of. Not necessarily burnout, dare to say, that took place in between those two or three months between uh, New York and um, was it yeah. France? Uh, Italy, Italy. Oh, sorry, Italy, Italy. Yeah, um, there was like we definitely had training. There was training. Um, there probably was club competition. September's kind of the start of the season. So that's what I was alluding. October, to. we'd maybe have got a few competitive games with each other in, but no, I like, I, I think maybe I can't speak for everybody because some players did play reasonably well, but I wasn't one of them. Um, that I would say I probably stepped off mentally anyway, um, just ever so slightly. And then, but that can be enough, um, to have a dip in form. Um, and that, yeah fine margins in sport and if you if you switch off you can be punished <laughs> you're not wrong about that um but before we continue with your story um what did you have a sporting background growing up yeah um so i i kind of come from athletics athletics is kind of the main thing i've been doing since i was 14 um mostly mostly doing the high jump and the 110 meter hurdles. Um, though initially when I got into athletics, I was trying to be a triple jumper. Um, so I was kind of generally like being quite springy as a teenager and bouncy and all of that, that ends up being reasonably transferable in the dodgeball. Um, like I remember when I first started playing, um, opposition teams would be would like have calls where they'd aim high on me and they'd throw <laughs> two or three balls high and I'd have just jumped all of them. Um so high high was no longer high enough to hit me. And I remember like I remember yeah, that just sticks with me for some reason because I thought it was quite funny. Um <laughs> yeah so that's I, I still do those both today. Um still training that's kind of my main kind of fitness training. I'm always trying to beat my own personal bests. 
Um, like I'm obviously not international standard at them, but it's kind of love of the sport, love of the events that I just want to keep pushing myself to um, beat my times, beat my heights, that sort of thing. That's that's the drive for that anyway. <laughs> Definitely. I, f- I feel like that's like the n- top three answer I get from the general UK uh, audience is like athletics somewhere in there, either number one, number two. Uh, right next to football and in some cases American football so it's kind of weird I, I, good. yeah I know it seems kind of but I, I get it you know, you're trying to beat your personal best you may not be in the Olympics per se but you're trying to beat your personal best every time you're out there which seemingly is the theme of your story overall um, obviously so after um, Italy I think that was the last Euros right um, so Italy was 2018, no, so there, there was would have been 2019. Yeah, not, that was the close, that was, yeah, that's the big one where we came oh so close, but not quite. Um, yeah, really good tournament, really good preparation. Like, we really stepped up everything. Um, we kind of changed, we changed everything. We decided we were going to go with a mixed team as well, um, which I, um, the coach of with Y Sun Wong. So we were um, asked by Sean Douglas, the head coach, to kind of step in and take reins of the mixed team. And we're given license to, for the first time, use the whole squad, which previously we had used it as a development competition. Um, so that was a pretty big um, step up that we were actually going to go for it in the mixed, which more and more nations have started to do. Uh, so it's become much more competitive the mix than perhaps previously um but yeah preparation wise we stepped up nutrition programs um fitness programs that sort of stuff got got like people in to speak to the squad all of that to get the mentality back again that gold it, we are going for gold and that is the only thing that we will be happy with um that's speaking about the men's really in general. Um, the other squads, the mixed obviously had their own goals, but they were new. Um, so it was kind of just to see how we do competitively in that tournament. And the women's um, was about getting up that next step from kind of fourth, fifth range into the third spot initially, um, which now they've done, which is awesome. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the big one. And then how it played out in the tournament was we found out that we were actually reasonably good at mixed, which was pretty good. Ended up in the final. Um, we had a we didn't play England or Austria until the final, and then we're quite handily beaten by Austria on that one. Um, but like not obviously disappointed to lose that final, but a lot of take learning takeaways to take from that that the better team on the day and they were the better team on the day um to be like how do we actually step up that we're not behind england and austria in the mix and how do we get ourselves to that level um and then on the men's side we got a group with austria in it which is never ideal um (laughs) and we lost that like right on the edge by one set, I think, maybe two, can't remember. Um, 
really good, really, really good game. But it was essentially a, it was essentially a playoff in the men's for who had to play England in the semi-final. Um, provided obviously you get through all your other groups, other games. Uh, but we lost it, so we had the punishment of playing England in the semi-final, whereas Austria had on paper a slightly easier run-in. And yet again, at a major championships, we managed to pull it off against England in an absolutely massive performance, and we actually comfortably beat them. And it's the one and only time we've comfortably beat them. Every other time it has been a dog mighty fight. close. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, huge performance there to get through. Unreal. Again, massive celebrations if you go and find them on YouTube. Piles of people <laughs> on the floor. Yeah. Um, no regrets. They're all really good. I like watching them back as well. And <laughs> <laughs> we moved into the final again where we were beaten by Austria. Um, so beaten by Austria twice in the same tournament, which wasn't great. We weren't pleased with. We really, really thought we could do it by beating England because England had ne- England men had never been beaten at Euros. And we um, by beating who we thought were on paper the strongest team. Um, but yeah, we just couldn't do it against Austria and they beat us by a set or two again. Really, really narrow margins, but fair play to that one. They were the better team. Um, and we just had to go again. Uh, but there were still takeaways from that one as well because people were absolutely, absolutely knackered. They like they were so tired playing that final. I was so tired. People were um, like on the floor, not being able to dodge. And like what we had to take away from that was that we burnt out too many of our key players getting to the final. Um, yeah. So it, it's learnings from the coaches constantly. And uh, just about how we actually win it as a squad rather than, oh, we have six or seven really good players that could win us a final in an individual match. But that's not how it works. It's a tournament setting over four days and you need to get the players that you want to play the final there in the best condition possible. And we did not. That's definitely a big takeaway to have. I mean, you can only lean on your your best horses uh, for so long, so to speak. Um, so, before we talk about this past one, because obviously that um, the last one we were talking about was sadly two years ago, I want you mm-hmm. to describe the Northern Ireland program, the camaraderie, the the overall vibe of the team. And the reason I ask this is because I want to say it was I think it was. Alex Nelson I interviewed last year and apparently you guys at one of the Euros I can't recall which sorry Alex um, you guys took out the refs to dinner or or some drinks like what what is it about your your uh, the national program that you guys have that dare I say, has that element of class as well as competitive drive on and off the court? Um, yeah, I appreciate you saying that, by the way. And, I'm, and I know a lot of people in the Northern Irish program will um, also appreciate you saying that. Um, I, like I kind of put it down to what our, our values are um, as a team, which they're given to you as you join, um, that 
we want to be we want to be the most honest team we like we want to go out on absolutely everything we want to get every single call right on our side so it's the fairest game possible for the for the far for the other side and we have won the european fair play award a couple of times i think which i know the coaches were um are very very proud of um and i think like that stems the rest of it as well like everybody wants to be liked um and i feel like that helps that our team our team feels like it's likable at the moment. Um, I know everybody likes an underdog and maybe because we're champions, there'll be slightly less, slightly um, <laughs> less people rooting for us at the next one, but we'll see. Um, yeah. It's like always fun to have the crowd behind you. And we kind of delve into that, but we want, like we want the crowd behind us and we're always willing to like socialize as well like you said bringing out the refs so like we've got to talk into the other teams under the referees like we're never rigid about okay we need to be sitting here as our group and we only talk to each other like we go up if we're not on a game we have the freedom on the day to go out chat to the other teams make friends basically like in a way you are there to make some lifelong friends that um yeah both in your team and outside your own team um because you gotta enjoy it while you're there it's not it's not as much as winning is great the experience is um the experience is uh something lots of people go for as well um so yeah that's the kind of stuff in the program and then all in behind that is the drive for gold like it's all three teams it's men's women's mixed we want gold we want all three golds two teams have done it before us why not us um so when you're at training that is the focus and we started in november 2021 um restarting the national program in the lead up to euros and that's what that nine months i think before euros and i just and like i remember it was josh McElroy. he said it he got everybody in and he was like gold starts here it starts today if we get gold your attitude has to be towards gold from today. If we don't do that from this moment, it's not going to happen. Um, and I feel like that kind of well, definitely resonated with me, but I feel like it resonated with everybody because you could kind of like feel the silence and the seriousness. Like everybody was listening to him, taking it in. Um, yeah, like that's that's the attitude. You said this was in November 2021? Yeah. So a moment like that, and I don't know what you would call it. There's several terms for it. We call it, you know, some people call it a come to Jesus moment. Some people call it a, you know, your last stand, so to speak. Not necessarily last stand, but you know what I'm talking about. Like that final speech right before the epic battle at the end of a movie. Um, I, I normally use that that moment. I call it the foxhole moment. You know, that moment where you and your team are in the foxhole and you guys have to figure out a way out of it check whatever ammunition you have, check the terrain, do some recon, yeah. and just push right through, you know, because it's not going to be easy. And you say, was it Josh uh, McElroy that said that? Yeah, it was Josh. It starts it today? Josh. It starts today. It, clearly, much. it's not going to be easy. That was almost almost 300 days to Drochkin. And I'm yeah. going to apologize for butchering that pronunciation so bad, but forgive me. <laughs> But because um, I, I know I'm going to get spammed in the comments. Uh, but it started there, and it wasn't going to be easy. There had to be a mentality shift. You had to determine what the terrain was, 
what the field looked like and how to go through it. And clearly you guys did. So I want you to talk about once you landed in, in, in the Netherlands, like how zoned in were you? And ultimately leading up to the final, like how did that feel? Um, yeah, I think I was pretty calm landing in a bit. Like, honestly, you're in the zone from a couple of weeks out. Like you've done your last training session. It's like all you can think about from a few weeks out being like, I'm about to go here and we're going to do this. We are going to do this. This is finally the one. Um, yeah, but like, I kind of don't let that affect me emotionally. And it's always in the back of my mind that I'm like, yeah, we're going to do this, but I'm generally calm. Um, cause it, cause there's a job to do. You have to beat every team that's in front of you. Um, when we knew it, we planned it. We looked at our groups from the draw, um, isolated what matches were important, what matches we could potentially rotate if things go well. Um, like all of that's been planned out meticulously as a squad about how we actually get deep into this com- into this competition with a fit squad. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's just kind of faith in the people that are in the background. Um, we are the coaches and the management staff in Northern Ireland. And yeah, honestly, they were all brilliant at this tournament. So thanks to all of them. Um, that kind of that and that kind of helps you feel calm. Um, that it's not there's not chaos in the background as you're traveling over to do this massive competition that you're calm and focused, basically. Yeah. Um, so I get when you say there was no chaos going over there, so I'm guessing you guys had a smooth ride through customs and all that, right? Yeah, I think <laughs> so. Um, one or two people had their like flight home cancelled before they travelled, but those are just minor things that they were able to sort out. Um, and I guess, well, I guess the closest thing to something that could kind of unravel was um, we lost Sean Douglas at the last training session. He um, had been rehabbing a finger injury that we thought was going to be okay for Euros. He'd got clearance, but I think he hit it off the floor trying to make a catch and it went again. Um, and that was him out, which... And then, but but I, I know immediately, immediately all the boys came together, and we're and we're like, we can't let this affect us. We now know that he's not here for this, and we do it, we we go and we do it without him, and we do it for him. He'll still be in the coach's box because he's head coach, and he'll still be there. Um, but yeah, it was and that that was quite good that we had to wrap ourselves around that reasonably quickly, and it never really got to anyone being like oh dear, we've lost Sean, who's obviously a mega player. Um, but yeah, like the boys, that was kind of like a rallying moment, the final rallying moment before we went, being like, okay, this is a, this is something that isn't ideal that's happened. But we know as a team and a squad that we can still do this. And that you did. Um set up the next question just to give you a little backstory and a little perspective on time zone which i'm pretty sure you're aware of um i don't know what time it was you guys played the finals but i woke up at 5 30 in the morning to watch it at six and I was, <laughs> nice. yeah uh, 
stupid me, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, I was in Seattle for a foam tournament, and um, actually, ironically enough, I got to play with the the co-host of this podcast. So, Steve, thank you. Um, but the nice. the next day, Sunday, was the finals, and yep. I got up really early to watch this. I was beaten. I was bruised up from the day before. But my ass was going to get up to watch the finals. So, needless <laughs> to say, I wanted to set the scene for you on my end, and then I'll, ha- I'll have you describe it on yours. Um, I'm going to sit here and say I didn't really have a dog in this fight. I have friends on almost every team. Um, yep. But there was something beautiful about watching you guys win two golds because I met you all, or most of you for the most, you know what I mean? Um, there was something about watching people you've met two, three months ago, drank with, played with, whatever, finally achieve something that, and this is on, on, on the comeback. We're all coming back from uh, playing dodgeball. You guys did it before we did, but there was something beautiful about you guys pretty much winning in a dogfight kind of fashion because the finals on multiple, on multiple ends, it was not clear cut. It was set to set, punch for punch, blow for blow, to the last second. And as soon as that final whistle blew for the, I think it was the mixed and the men's, right? Yeah. Yeah, mixed and the men's, because I think the women's got third. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It, it was a whirlwind of experience, as you can tell. I jumped up, I cheered, Nobody was in the Airbnb with me, and I was sore from the day before, and I regretted that <laughs> jumping up. <laughs> but I didn't regret cheering for you guys. I just want you to say that right now. I did not regret cheering. My body regretted me jumping. <laughs> so I was definitely celebrating. And That's I took good. A few nice. Yeah. And I took a few painkillers. But I want to hear it from your angle. When you heard the final whistle blow twice for gold, that moment you realized zeros are on the clock the score is in your favor i want you to take take us through your mind not the team your mind coming back after two years of not playing you were interviewed on the sideline i believe but yeah you don't get that much time so take your time now and take us through your mentality through all that okay um so the mixed was first so yep um that game was like we did, we wrapped that game up with a couple of sets to go. Um, so we kind of knew that all we had to do was see it out, see out the clock, not give away sets too quickly, and we would get it by a couple, um, which we ended up doing. Um, so, like that was just you were just. It was when you were on court. When you were when I was on court, I just felt I felt fine. I felt confident. I felt like this is what we're gonna do. But you just get you get hit out. You stand in the out box, and then that's where the tension comes because you no longer are contributing, and it's just you just have to have complete and utter faith in people who are still on. Who obviously did brilliant as well, but that's where you then have the time to think about it. Um, but yeah, you get the realization eventually when. The clock dips below 90 seconds and the rules of cloth mean that you can only play a maximum of one more set and we have a three game buffer and all of our subs just 
just start jumping and screaming and they're happy and I give wife's son a massive hug um, and he basically uh, he's like several inches shorter than me and he just lifts me well above him um, <laughs> yeah like just yeah it was huge it was huge that one um, then the final whistle goes and I know and I remember it's just it's Johnny Shannon and Hannah that are left on but Johnny just he's standing in the neutral zone throws both hands up in the air and everybody just charges at him and um, you see the net I don't know someone must lift the net for the Northern Ireland um, men's and women's who weren't on the mix squad and they come charging in as well and it's just <laughs> this ball of people on the court and everybody's just going crazy crazy but um, from my end it can't go on for too long because I've got another game to play. Um, like I give it absolutely stacks for two, three, four minutes, hug all my teammates, high fives with everybody. Um, and then you just get Sean come up. Sean isn't in the box for the, he's not in the box for the mixed game, but he's in the box for the men's game and just goes, Get, he just tells you to get yourself ready, Adam. Because um, I know I have to go again. And I'm pretty sure then I have to do the interview after that, which, yep. to be fair, was fine. There were other people who were doing their on-court warm-up, whereas at that point I didn't really need to do another warm-up. It was more just about staying slightly warm, so it wasn't. I didn't need the full length of it. Um, yeah. yeah, the interview, I don't do a whole lot of interviews, so... Um, Thankfully, it was only two questions. Hopefully, I didn't embarrass myself. No, you were. Uh, fine. I kind of for I kind of like foreshadowed. It was a bit risky. I said, I'm pretty sure I said that we were going to beat England. I said we're going to beat them again, and um, which, like, um, my fiance Shannon's dad. Then he told me he was just like, "Oh, I love that attitude, Adam. I love that when he said it, said it." And he was just like, "Like you're gonna, you were gonna beat them." And I was just like, "Love that." Um, so that was pretty cool, but it wouldn't have looked as good if we lost. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> um, yeah, but then it's just getting getting yourself clued in back for the men's game. As soon as that interview ended, I was like, "Our men are on court here. I've got to get myself ready." And I and like that was tough. That was tough. Um, I remember the huddle. So Sean and Josh were speaking in the huddle and like I was, I was listening to them. I was listening to them. They were hyping us up, but like, I'm going to admit this, that every so often my mind would slip to, we just want mixed. And then I'd have to refocus myself. Um, Cause that, like, that was tough. We were trying to like, we were in the middle of celebrating and then got broken up to try and go back into the state, go back into um, man's focus. Oh. Maybe I find it tough. I don't know about the rest of my team. Um, but yeah, I was like, okay, I, my mind slipped a couple of times and I was like, right, come on, Adam, the men's are here. And I didn't like, and then I finally got myself sorted and I was like, I can't, I'm in this team as well and I can't let my team down. I'm starting this game. Like I've got to be here for the rest of the team. And there's players on this team that did that just didn't win mixed and they don't have mixed to fall back on if it goes bad like we have to go again and men's is the one that we've been pushing for for years now 
mix just kind of happened without any real expectation. Um, so yeah, that was that was that was the end of the mixed, and then the men's is that times a hundred in terms of feeling. Like honestly, we're standing there with a hit that happens a millisecond before a catch, mm-hmm. and the call, and it goes our way, and we get it. And there's one second on the clock. We've got Kelvin and Johnny surviving, just have to survive for one second. And the Northern Ireland subs and me, who's in the outbox, are like, we're already, like, we're halfway on the court. We're, we're like, can you just blow the whistle? Like, we're already <laughs> in sprint start position, ready to just charge the court. I saw that on camera. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it goes, and I do this. Everybody goes into this massive ball, but for some reason, I do this stupid knee slide that everybody keeps doing. <laughs> <laughs> Like I I just, I go and do, yeah, yeah. Like I'm like right in front of the camera, going yeah, and then I realize that everybody else went into this ball, and I get up immediately, and I'm pretty sure Shannon trips over me, um, and I'm just chaos. <laughs> like that celebration went on. It felt like it went on much longer than the mix one, because obviously we had to refocus for the mix. But like that one was crazy, crazy. Um, yeah, and like you're just fist pumping and cheering. 10, 15, 20 minutes later, when everybody else has stopped, you just remember the feeling and you'd be, oh, class, it's so good. So good. <laughs> yeah, that's about all there is to say, really. Amazing. It definitely was. I mean, and yeah, I saw you on, on camera doing the knee slide thing. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to say nothing about this. I'm going to let him have his time. That did look a little awkward. I ain't going to lie. But I'm going to let you have your moment. But um, I think you said uh, Shannon's dad said, oh, I liked it when you said that, oh, we're going to beat England in the next round. Yeah. yeah. Was, okay. Yeah. So maybe it wouldn't have looked good if, if you guys had lost. But there's something about that attitude, that dog in the fight, so to speak, that you got to respect, man. I mean – there's plenty of people. I mean, there's plenty of people who had that attitude in a variety of sports. I mean, you look at Muhammad Ali. He called out several people, and yeah, he's lost to several people, but he's beaten many. So yeah. safe to say, like you guys had that little Ali shuffle in Northern Ireland carry you through. But I want you to kind of take us into watching Shannon get third. Like, how did that feel for you, watching on the sideline? You have no. No impact on this game, obviously. This is not mixed. How does it feel watching her uh, accomplish uh, a medal from your end? Stressful. Um, stressful? More, more, probably more stressful than the other two. Like, just in terms of... Because you're not involved, and you're just... Every single moment, you're just like, come on, come on, get this over the line, get this over the line. <laughs> And like, like they had a narrow quarterfinal against France as well. And oh man, like I get, yeah, I do get stressed playing the women's. After the quarterfinal, I had to walk away um, against France. I was just like, I need to leave and calm myself, and then come back and try to congratulate the girls. Um, but yeah, like, like I know Shannon's an amazing player, and she, and I'm so pleased that her and the ladies have finally delivered. Um, the bronze and the one at whale um yeah so good we were in the 
there was lots of us in the same situation getting stressed in the stand um like whacking on chairs when things didn't when people went out or think or Italy won a set or yeah stuff like that and then massive cheers went every single time Northern Ireland got a big hit or a big catch um yeah like but you just feel like you're a fan you are a fan it's like screaming at Manchester United on the television it's like the same sort of <laughs> Uh, you did plenty of that this past year. Sorry to bring that up. Uh, no. <laughs> but yeah, but so for you, you're a competitive like, player, but a stressful spectator. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's probably fair <laughs> to say. Yeah. Um, yeah, Shannon will be able to back that up with me shouting at the TV while she's trying to do anything else than than watching United. <laughs> I was talking about watching her play, but yeah, watching United too. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least Shannon doesn't get the seat. Doesn't get to see it. Um, me That's shouting up. Yeah, it's better <laughs> off if they don't hear. Like I shouldn't have. Like I think I was clearly. I think I was trying to spectate one game, and I must have been, must have been saying something that Shun could pick up on, and he had to tell me to shut up or go somewhere that the women couldn't hear me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm bad. Like I'm bad as a spectator. <laughs> <sighs> at least you admit it we'll, we'll we'll give you credit for admitting it yeah yeah that's the first step in recovery um <laughs> so let's talk about your role models do you have any did you have any role models uh growing up and do you have any role models or people you respect in dodgeball um that's a good question um i don't really have any like i didn't really never really had any like sporting role models is in like it could be sporting it could be a teacher be anybody um yeah like obviously my mom and dad played a big part gave me lots of opportunities um probably wouldn't play dodgeball without them because they paid for my university accommodation so that i was a three minute walk away from where we played dodgeball so i reckon that was a (laughs) a big big part as well and me actually making the effort to go um and then, obviously, they've been taxiing me back and forward to athletics while I was unable to drive and all of that. And yeah, obviously, get almost get all of it from them. Mum was an athlete. Mum did athletics, so I get that from her. Um, I think I got my competitive side from her as well. She doesn't like to lose as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, like it's obviously the obvious answer, but it's definitely the the most truthful one. Um, that's fair mom and dad yeah uh, I'll, I'll see do you have any people I looked up look up to or in dodgeball um, yeah I mean absolutely like peers and coaches all of that like Josh Josh McElroy Wyson my mixed coach um, Sean Douglas obviously head coach the three of them are incredibly important I look up to them three and learn a lot from them three as well um particularly on the coaching side um yeah and then yeah like northern ireland wise that's definitely the three i'd go for that's fair and um who's that rival player or rival team on any level that you you always want to be primed for um, well, I mean, it's Northern Ireland dodgeball. It like it's Kapoi versus Ballyhack. Like that's what it is. That's the game. 
that's the game you can't lose. You, like if you lose that, your season you lose that, bad. yeah, your season's over. Like <laughs> you come back next year, you try again, and for the longest time they had the edge. I think they've three or four leagues. We had and now we've we've won the last two, so we've, we're starting to turn it in our favor, um, which is good. But that's that's obviously the rivalry, and it, but it's like, but we say it's a rivalry, but those exact same players combine them to make the vast majority of the Northern Ireland team. Um, I think it's like 10 out of the 12 came from that team. I think that's right. Um, came out of those two teams, sorry. Um, yeah, it's just like the, they are the core, but we're all best mates as well. Like, we've, like we have to be. I think you have to be. Um, yeah. To be, as, especially with our Northern Ireland team, like, like, we're just gelled really, really well. We come together as a sum of our parts really well. Um, but quite happily, if they put on their kapai kit, I'll go out and knock the stuff and out of absolutely anyone. <laughs> yeah. that, they've made God that choice. Damn. They have made that choice to wear that kit, and so they must be being. That's how I view it. You know, the beauty in that, and before I, I continue with that question, the beauty in that was, even though I think I thought you and Kelvin... Kelvin Lee stood out really well. It was some of your parts that really, you know, gelled together uh, for NI. So it was, it was kind of weird seeing that, like these two te- these two players in particular, on any given Sunday, would try to beat the piss out of each other. Yep, <laughs> they're clicking together in such a way that once they land back at home, they're going to celebrate for at least two days, and then they're going to get right back to business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's about right, really. All so, who would you say is uh, on the? And I'm I'm pretty sure you kind of alluded to it, but who on the international level would you say is your rival team or player? They just have to be primed for. Would it be England or would it be someone else that we haven't talked about? Yeah, like it probably feels like it. It, it is England. It, it, like, yeah, I think it has to be for now. Anyway, like we need to get. They're the ones. Well, they're the ones we've actually been successful against. Um, Maybe we need to up, we need to up our game against Austria in the men's category. We've never actually beaten them in the five ball um, game, so there's a bit of a there's a bit of a score to settle there eventually. Um, but I'm sure we'll do that in time as well. So yeah, like the, like they are they, like they're the two teams to beat. Mm. Are they rivals? Like all three of us are rivals with each other. We are the big three men's nations, and well, now in all three categories, we got all all nine medals were given to the three nations. So I feel like that is that's the triangle of rivalry in European dodgeball, anyway. Mm. I feel like the triangle is going to be a story that we're going to talk about later. Um, <laughs> do, do you have any pregame ritual before a league meet or a tournament? Um. No, not really. I'm not kind of not kind of into the rituals. I just kind of, I don't know. Well, if you do the same warm up every single time, does that kind of uh, kind as a ritual? But no, I just kind of take that from athletics. Yeah, kind of explosive, um, dynamic warm up to get myself ready. Um, but I don't have any. Like, I'm not gonna. I'm, I don't take myself away to like listen to music or need to listen to music in the car. Um, <laughs> that's just not really for me. I'm more. I'm more calm before the storm and then just get yourself focused when you need to be. 
So you, you don't have, and that was going to be my next question. You don't have any pregame uh, playlists that you listen to on the way to a league meet or a tournament? No, none at all. So, yeah, boring <laughs> answer, but that's fair. I mean, you can be yeah. boring, but it's your answer, so it's not a not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, so we're going to segue into the crowdsource questions, and we definitely have plenty. Um, nice. Hannah Catterall, her usual question. Do you know what it is, by the way? Or do I have to say it? I, th- I think Shannon told me, is it? Who's your favorite person and why is it Hannah? Is that it? Well, that's one of them, but it's usually, um, what are you grateful for today? Oh, okay. What am I grateful for today? Um, Then we can answer that second one for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I have have an answer. So um, what am I grateful for today? That work wasn't too tough. That's a a decent one. Had a good day at work. Um, Mom made me dinner. Grateful for that. Um, (laughs) Sun's out. Yeah. Nice day. Can't really complain. And uh, I've got the privilege of being on this podcast as well. There you oh, go. There we go. Thank you. Um, okay. And like her second usual question that, yeah. Uh, wh- who's your favorite person? Why is it her? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I can't answer this question. So um, why is my favorite person Hannah? Hannah took my engagement photos with Shannon. And uh, I saw she that. Charge it. She didn't charge us anything for it. So it was a. Uh, it was kind of an engagement present from Hannah, and it was uh, it was uh, really great, and uh, we're very appreciative appreciative of them, and yeah, hopefully we'll actually be able to release some of those photos on Instagram soon. Yeah, but yeah, Hannah's great. Yeah, she is. She's definitely great. I saw a few of those. Um, I think she posted it, or or Shannon, or you, but yeah, I mean, it, those, those are just the previews. Yeah. That's this. Yeah. great overall her next question and this one you're gonna have to really explain because i don't know this one why don't you have tea and buns at training anymore <laughs> yeah that's a fair point so um as yesterday at training we restarted tea and buns so i think that question kind of like came from the fact that we started talking about it again because uh, it was a realization that when we moved venue, that um, we kind of cancelled that. What's the really Yeah, I don't, like someone, someone would always would be on a rotor. Someone would come in, leave leave juice and tea and buns in the kitchen in the church where we were originally playing. Mm. Um, so if you're ever off or out, you could just go in there and help yourself. Um, and then we moved venue to. A slightly better venue that's not very very much farther away um but for some reason despite the fact that they had kitchen facilities as well that tradition seemed to fail to make it until somebody i can't remember who it was brought it up and then as soon as it was brought up everyone was like oh yeah so yeah it's back <laughs> it's back so hannah you can't it's hannah's question again she can um stop complaining because it's back tm bones are back got it um my good buddy Joey, how does it feel bringing different teams together to play under Great Britain or under GB for Worlds? So I think he he's alluding to the fact that it's going to be a mix between Ireland, England, Wales. Yeah. Yeah. How does, it, how does it feel coming from NI winning in two of the divisions at Euros to amalgamating and going to war in Edmonton? Yeah, really good question um quite a lot of different emotions um like i'm obviously excited 
Um, get to play with new players, which is class. Get some really good players, obviously, from all the other, from the three other home nations. Mm. Um, but I'm like, I'm willing to admit that I was quite like, I wasn't that keen on it when it was first announced that GB would be taken over the world slots that was back in 2019 2018 or whenever it was yeah. that, that that we left the previous world organization and moved to the next one so obviously it was a feeling of like initial disappointment that northern ireland wouldn't be going to worlds again um but like it's not in my control so i've just kind of accepted it and i know that i'm going into an absolutely unreal team with the gb guys and i'm absolutely thrilled to be a part of it and the training standard is the highest that probably exists in cloth dodgeball with that many people who are that good playing under one roof um so yeah like there's like there are loads and loads of benefits of it as well from my own personal experience to actually to level up my own game again um against these really, really good players and kind of, and in a way have to fight for my position a little bit more. Um, obviously, I still have to fight for my position in Northern Ireland, but the competition is, I feel stronger. I think that's fair to say when you combine all the nations together, it's going to be stronger. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I am really excited now at this, like that's speaking retrospectively, but like right now, I'm really, really up for it. What the teams that we're sending are really are so strong like they are so strong and i know we're going to do really really well um and i'm happy to be part of it and hopefully hopefully more golds that's that's again that's the attitude hopefully more golds and we've definitely got the team to do it that's the plan right yeah <laughs> go for it um feel like there's a hit there's a funny story behind this why sun wong how much do you yeah. love adam ball who's yeah. adam ball adam is myself and ball is the type of dodgeball that we play <laughs> and i'm very happy to explain this let's go what is it man i thought it was like a so, comedian or something yeah, i couldn't yeah. google adam ball it just would not pop up just for the record yeah, so yeah. so it'll also link to matt hollyhurst has a question in there saying how boring is boring and it is a meme that's throughout the Northern Ireland team, particularly in the mixed team, about the style of play that I implement into the mixed team, which is the reason we beat Austria in the final. Um, but they'll still meme about it and make fun of me for it and say that it's boring and all of that. Um, but it's basically the idea that I know in foam rules, you can only end the set by hitting all six players. So that's the only way you win. That's the only right. way you win. But there's two ways to win in cloth dodgeball. You hit all six or you have more with more players left after the three minutes have elapsed. Yeah. And I feel like Adam Ball is like, my mentality is that we can play for both of those at the same time. And I'm very, very happy for the clock to run down, regardless of what happens. Um, as long as I feel like I'm in control of it and my team's in control of it. And so it sort of leans probably, the meme is that we lean towards being defensive and boring and trying to run the clock down. Um, but like, that's how you win cloth dodgeball matches, in my opinion. You get a big lead, 
and you make sure it takes too long for the opponent to pull it back. Um, and I would happily do it again. So, yeah. I mean, got to trust the results, right? Um, yeah. I don't know why people are laughing at Adam Ball, but okay. Uh, I no, literally, I'm my, not kidding. I mean, why? Why son is my is the other mix coach? So it's myself and him. So he's the <laughs> other one implementing it. It's just the team decided to call it Adam Ball instead of Why Son Ball. Um, so I feel like I've got the the short end of the stick on that joke anyway. Unfortunately, um, I mean, one of you guys had to, you know, had to take it. And yeah. it's funny because when I saw this question pop up, you know, because I'm thinking, you know, it's probably a celebrity I don't know or a, a musician. If I ty- I typed up Adam Ball and Google said, I have no idea what you're talking about. If Google didn't know what, you, what I was talking about, I had to ask. Um, Kelvin Lee, who would be your ideal flat 6GB team for Mixing Men? What, what does flat mean? Just flat what? Means, you, means you have no subs. So if you can only pick six. Oh, okay. So this is your six ride or die game on the line. Got it. All right. Yeah. So, that, I mean, this is the question that I like. I'm not answering. Uh, Fair enough. We're I, skipping. I, like, it. I can't. I can't give. I can't give six. Um, like I can't do that. It's not my job to pick the six. But I know he wants the answer, and I know. Uh, I know it got a reaction from Dave Prestige as well, who uh, is one of the coaches uh, on TV. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like I can't really pick that. There's so many brilliant players. Uh, my my own personal bias fit as many Northern Irish in there as possible. Um, <laughs> Put as many knights on there. Yeah, that's just me. Plug. They're all really good. Yeah, you can play them. You can trust them. I trust them. Um, yeah, but honestly, that that's down to the coaches. But uh, nice try, Kelvin. Um, <sighs> you know, this is that Capel. Uh, barbarians thing he wanted to put you on the hot seat oh yeah absolutely this, this what it, what, i was thinking like what does it mean, flat mean like i know what a flat means like a studio apartment but i'm thinking like flat like what is a flat team like all right so it's just you're starting lineup no subs got it yeah and a catarol what was your favorite game at euros Ooh. this is this favorite. can yeah your favorite game um eight like the that my two favorites are both mixed games against Austria. Like we played them in the group and we played them in the final and they were both pretty similar. We played really well in the first half, but both of them got a massive lead or an, or a pretty decent lead and then played Adam ball in the second half. And won both <laughs> of those games. Um, yeah, those are those are my favorite. Definitely to play in anyway. Um, what about to watch? Yeah, and I know you're a stressful spectator, so yeah. So definitely not one that Northern Ireland are in because that so... would not be fun to watch. Um, <laughs> there was a game on like the first or second day, like the Czech Republic or versus Italy in the mix or the men's or possibly both, and there, were, and there was they were mega close. I remember the crowd being wild. I think it was like the first big close game. Um, in Early the on. Cases. Yeah. I, I think, actually think both of them were really close now that I think about it. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed watching those two. And I might might need to give them a rewatch. Yeah. And they were really close to us as well, where we were sitting as well. So great view and good game. Okay, David Poole with this cryptic comment. If I draw a triangle... Yeah. Okay. Well, I can't give too much away on this. 
um but it's essentially like a riddle that uh we played so two weekends ago i was over training with the great britain team and i was staying in a house with david Poole, alex harrison sam richards finn as well from the like loads of them lewis diggins as well i don't know how many of them actually live there but they were all there on the day <laughs> um and it's this riddle um and i can't i don't really want to tell you but it's essentially the concept is somebody will draw a triangle and that triangle will have an owner and someone will have to guess who that owner is but you kind of need it's kind of like a visual game you need all your set all your senses all of that sort of stuff so yeah one to play okay. at worlds definitely okay yeah <laughs> Uh, there was a couple. There was a couple of riddles. Once final people finally solved another one, we did another. We, we move on to a different one. Yeah, they're good. They're good. They'll get people very angry. We can't figure it out, um, which is really funny for everybody else. So, it's <laughs> fair enough. All right. Um, that's a story. That's a story. Uh, Matt Hollyhurst. I just how boring is too boring. Adam Ball got it. Um, yeah. Aiden Woodall. Solid dude, got to meet him. Aiden's guest. Okay, I don't know why he threw himself in, as a third person. Aiden's guest room <laughs> or David Poole's couch, and he spelled pool wrong. Just for the record. Yeah, yeah, like, like both were great. I wasn't on David Poole's couch actually. I was actually in one of their one of the bedrooms because I think one of the guys was out <laughs> for the weekend, which is pretty good. Um, so essentially, a guest room in both. And the answer is whichever one is closer to the venue. That's that's my answer. Fair enough. And David Poole decided to troll him back with a misspelling yeah. of his last name. <laughs> and I'm over here just pulling up a seat like, all right, let's see how this goes. Uh, <laughs> my good buddy, Anthony Aldred. Uh, Anna has become a formidable force across all disciplines in cloth. What would you say is in the secret sauce? Yeah. Well, I gave away probably as much as I can earlier. Um, it's kind of the mentality, the values, like we said. <laughs> um, but why sons then? They're saying keep it a secret. So, um, can't give we'll everything keep... away. That's for just have, a, have values. Set out what your team's vision is. Like, where is it you're trying to get to? What are you trying to achieve at this competition? And gel together as a team. Um, <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's the key. And, yeah, and the beauty of this is we're not live, so I can definitely cut anything out in post if you want me to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Aldred is like, yeah, all right, fine, keep your secrets. Aldred really wants to know what's in the sauce. Why sung the five Ds of dodgeball? Um, <laughs> Aldred, <laughs> dodge, duck, dip, dive, and Douglas. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> that, that last D is huge. Huge. That is the sauce. That last D is huge. Got it. Um, we're just <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not me. Um, so I guess Aldred is like some kind of special forces in the making because uh, if Sean Douglas goes missing, we'll know what happened. You know, um, <laughs> Kelvin, Lee. <laughs> Kelvin Lee. Oh yeah, Kelvin Lee's ready to defend uh, Sean Douglas in case uh, you have someone trying to invade you guys over there protect Sean Douglas because um, it looks like yeah he's a prime target now all right so Aldred 
with the kit swap question. What was your favorite qu- uh, kit swap at uh, Euros? Yeah, I got I got three at Euros. So I got a, a training top swap with John Duncan from the Scotland team. Um, I got a big Austria swap with Stefan Leidinger. Um, so I've now completed the set. I've got the red and the white Austria oh, shirt. Sweet. Um, but I'm going to have to give it to the Sweden shirt that I got from Faisal Rad. Um, it's number seven on the back. He's been wanting <laughs> my shirt for ages. Um, I got his. He didn't get mine because my shirt didn't fit him. And he told me <laughs> to keep it and order him one. So I owe you one. I don't know if it'll be here for Worlds, but I haven't forgotten, and it's on its way. For sure. Um, Blaine Murphy, outside of the UK, who would you like to play for, club and country? That's interesting. Good question. Good question. Blaine. Um, outside the UK, actually, so I can't pick the British teams. Um, club. The Austrian scene. Like I could happily play for the Austrian club scene. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, I don't know the names of them. Is there like Spartans and that's about all I know. So yeah. I'll play for them. Yeah. Um, and then country-wise, who would I play for? Yeah, is it a cop out to say Austria, or do I go to somebody else? I mean, it's up to you. It's how you want to answer. Yeah, maybe. Although, in at the old world events, I did play. <laughs> Some other fun teams like the Australian team and the um, Malaysian cloth team were very good when I played them. Um, so yeah, I got on quite well with the Aussie boys, so I'll pick them, sure. Australia. Australia. Yeah, that'll be fun. That's going to be a new staple question. I'm, gonna, I'm sure Blaine just threw this in there. He threw it in there several times, I noticed, <laughs> um, in the past couple of weeks. All right. Aldred, two shirts you would love to get your hands on, club and country. One purely based on... Okay, this is really in-depth. One purely based on design, and the other based on the player who wears it. Okay, so it's one really cool shirt, and the other is a player's shirt that I want. Um, so I'm not that interested in club swaps, so it's just about international shirts that I kind of want to get. Let's go for um, it. Yeah. Like what do I not have? I have I have something from the US. So it's like probably Canada is kind of what I'm wanting from Worlds. If anyone wants to swap um, for a GB kit, I like the kind of black, red, white vibes on it. Um, as long as it's not a tank top, that's my only condition. <laughs> Needs to be, there has to be sleeves. Yeah, I can't wear that. I don't have the arms. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Canada for design, yeah. Uh, player yeah, yeah. for, or, or one for a player that they were. Yeah, so I'm not knowledgeable on all my players. Um, who am I after? Got Sweden, France, Italy, Austria now. Who do I need? I don't like getting too many duplicates, or maybe I'll have to go back and get a duplicate. Um. I haven't got a Wales shirt yet. Um, so, yeah, somebody like Liam Ryder, maybe, from the Welsh team. Yeah, quite like that. He's on the GB team as well. I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, shout-outs to Liam, I suppose. I'll take a nice Welsh shirt off you at the next Euros, maybe. 
I know Liam's listening, so he'll definitely uh, owe you one for sure. And if he doesn't, then uh, I'll reach out to people that we both know to make sure that happens for you. Sound good? We'll get it sorted. (laughs) I'll I'll play my part wherever I can. Um, (laughs) Look at me trying to orchestrate kit swaps. Um, So suffice to say, we've been on for a while, but it's blown by really fast, and you've been a fun guest to have. And it was a huge privilege to finally get to meet you but i want to ask you the legacy question so adam hill how would you like to be remembered once you step off the court for the final time oh do you ask this to everybody that's a big question um you know the format of this podcast (laughs) yeah that's true to be fair i should have seen that coming (laughs) um not prepared so yeah Basically, yeah, it, it kind of comes down to the Northern Ireland values again, and I hope that people see them in me. That um, I'm an honest player. I play to the best of my ability. Um, I'll always be competitive, and always give it everything to push for the best possible results. Um, obviously, I'd like to be remembered as part of two European um, Championship winning teams. So that's a good thing to have. Um, but yeah, yeah just kind of remembered for the values that we go for as Northern Ireland. That would be it. I would definitely say, and I, I constantly allude to this trip because it, it was really eye-opening, really impactful for me. Um, you definitely embody those values. And those values are across the board, uh, across everyone I met over there. Um, everyone's hands I shook, everyone who introduced me, or everyone who got introduced to me, people who went up to me at the bar, I, the value is there. I can speak to it. Um, Appreciate that. Thanks very much. And I know everybody but, else will as well. But speaking to you, I would say meeting you was one of the best, one of the biggest privileges I've had in the past year. Um, I can say that you definitely have this embodiment of competitive drive but family values to yourself that i notice like you you treat everyone well and there's a sense of gravitational vibes that i noticed when i saw the barbarians and it goes in some way even though i know you said you're not the captain it somehow leads to you there's something that you do for that team that is impactful enough for the vibes and and everything to go towards you there's something to be said about the kind of man you are, more so than the player. The kind of man you are to have people privately message me singing you praises. People messaging me saying, finally, Adam gets his time to shine. And I consider it a big honor not only to have met you, but to finally cement your story up until this point. Hopefully the end is not near for you. Um, you're younger than me, so I would like to think you can go further. And um, I'm, I'm proud of what you what you've done for Northern Ireland. I'm proud of, and I don't want to say what you've done as if you were to walk away now, because I know you have plenty of game left in you. But I'm proud of what I witnessed three weeks three weeks ago. Now, what you guys did, people are going to remember for a long time. And you guys were knocking on the door for a long time. And two years later, or two years after the pandemic, you knocked that motherfucker down. And I'm proud of you. 
Thank you yeah. very much. Sorry, <laughs> If we could finally get that parade in Londonderry for that team, get you guys a critical acclaim, man, um, that'll be great. I mean, like the Lakers can have a parade in downtown when we win a championship. I don't see why NI can't can't do that in Londonderry. Besides, it's a beautiful city, so why not? Um, but ultimately, you're a solid gent, a great player, and. I know we hadn't touched on this, but congratulations on your engagement. And, um, Thank you very much. Uh, I hope for nothing but the best for you and Shannon. Yeah, really, really appreciate that. That's very <laughs> kind of you to say all of that. Um, means a lot. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. So um, with that, do you have any final shout outs you'd like to give? Um, I do have one story that I'll tell. Um, I'll get asked because it's pretty funny because you were mentioning you were talking you were talking about you were saying like I was like I the embodiment of like potentially a captain but I'm I'm not the captain of Barbarians or Northern Ireland men. Um, but the funny story and I will share it is there was a stoppage in play at Euros on one of the courts and it was a men's game and somebody wanted to talk the referee wanted to talk to Murphy but they also wanted a captain to come in. And for some reason, Smurf turns around and goes, Adam, Adam, Adam. And even though it's the men's team and I'm not the captain, for some reason, I just believe him and I just go. And then Josh follows, who is the captain. <laughs> and I like push him away. And I'm like, no, no, I've got this, Josh, just, just away, away, away. And then like, I realize, I look around and I see Sean in the, in the coach's box. I'm like, this isn't the mixed team. I just shoved away our captain here. And I had to walk away and go get Josh. And Josh is like standing there with his arms out going like, what is happening? Oh man, how embarrassing. But yeah, it was, it was all good laughs afterwards. But yeah, yeah. Was just sometimes a- we all get confused. <laughs> Wait, who who pushed you into that? You said it was Blaine that pushed you into it? Uh, it was Aaron Murphy, Smurf. So Smurf, the referee wanted to talk to Smurf. And uh, they also wanted to talk to the captain. But for some reason, Smurf, asked for me and i just believed him <laughs> that happened yeah i should have him on just to just to get to the bottom <laughs> of that story because it was very no. random you would think that as a teammate you would know who your captain or your coach is but somehow he just looks at you and like all right do the job just do the things yes. talk to people yeah. <laughs> all right all right and that was my interview with adam hill adam thank you so much for hopping on and essentially having a good chat sharing your story um congratulations on the double and congratulations on your engagement and yes that was a solid gesture by hannah catterall uh i'll announce my next guest shortly but if you've listened up until this point if you've listened up until this point thank you so much have a wonderful day